Welcome to Positively Leading, the podcast that's all about helping you grow your resilience, leadership and influence. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Howling, and each week we will be diving into a variety of topics related to leadership, communication and personal growth. From feedback and accountability to diversity and inclusion, we'll explore the skills and strategies that you need to become a more effective leader. So whether you are looking to improve your communication skills, build strong relationships with your team, or simply become more confident in your role, join me on this journey of growth and discovery, and let's get positively leading. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Positively Leading. And today we are going to be exploring how to build a high performing team. Now this is part three out of four in our back to school series. And we're going to be diving in today into what makes a team high performing. So first of all, really, what's the definition of a team? And then what are those special secret source ingredients of a high performing team? We're also going to be looking at a few common challenges that are faced by teams and team leaders, and then two important areas to consider when building your team. And importantly, throughout today's episode, I'm going to be asking you a number of questions And these are questions for you to ponder that I hope will be very helpful for you to take the content of the episode and really apply them to you and your work. Now, when we're building something, we need to know what we want to build. So let's start there, because I often think we don't give this quite as much thought as we could. So First question for you, I want you to think about a team that you are on or a team that you have led that was brilliant. What made it brilliant? Really think about that. If you are in a position where you can grab a pen and paper, then jot this down now. If you're out and about with your AirPods in, then maybe you want to leave yourself a voice note or come back to it later. But really do think about this question. Think about a team you are on or the team that you led and what made it brilliant. And then think about one that wasn't so good. What made it not so great? What were those challenges that were faced? And then when you've done those two reflections, make a list then of the five to 10 characteristics of a high performing team. Now, this is from the stories from your memories, right? What really think carefully about what would you say are the five to 10 characteristics of a high performing team? And if you were thinking about this in the abstract, maybe you're thinking about answering a question in a job interview, you know, we're going to come up with things like shared vision, shared purpose and values and clear communication, trust and psychological safety. And these are all really key things. But if you'd thought of a specific team and maybe you got lost in your memories and the stories of what made things great and not so great, The chances are you said things like, we got along, we had each other's backs, it was really good fun, we got stuff done, we cared about each other, I felt safe and like I mattered and what I said had value. And when we think about things from our own memories, our own stories, we can really get very specific. So try and always think about things in the specifics rather than the abstract. Because we know from experience and quite instinctively what makes a great team through how we felt and what we experienced. Now, there's so much research about what makes a great team. Now, depending on which article or which book or 
which research paper you read, there's anything from three ingredients straight to 20 or more. So to simplify and clarify things today, we've only got 20 minutes after all, I'm going to use the work of J. Richard Hackman from his book, Collaborative Intelligence, Using Teams to Solve Hard Problems, because he simplifies it into three dimensions, which I think are really helpful. So the first dimension is product. And this is that you get something done as a team. You do great work. You meet deadlines. You're proud of the work that you do together. The work that you do makes a difference. And if we think about this as productivity and we break it down even further, this is going to include those elements of having a vision and clear goals and creating strategies and plans to reach those goals. But it also includes having effective leadership and effective management of resources And quite often when we think about high-performing teams, this productivity, this outcome, is what we focus on. But there are two other really important dimensions to consider. And the second one is process. And this is about how you work together. So how do you communicate? How you manage conflict? How do you reflect together? How do you make decisions? Is there a sense of camaraderie and respect? And importantly here, does your team's collaboration skills increase as a result of working together? And then the third dimension is learning. So when you're working as a part of a really high-performing team, you are learning and growing as individuals through working together, and you are learning as a team, as a whole as well. And next week's episode is going to really explore this even more, thinking about how you can continue to learn and grow as a leader and create that culture of learning for your team. But for learning to take place for the purposes of today's episode, you really need to be able to take risks. So this is where the idea of trust and psychological safety come in and they make it part of this dimension, as does a growth mindset, actually. So we've got three areas here, three dimensions. A product, you get something done. A process, how you work together and how you learn together. Now, I do quite a lot of work with teams, both as a coach and a facilitator. And I'm often asked to work with teams in conflict. And also in many, many of my one-to-one coaching conversations with leaders, many questions come to our sessions that are to do with challenges in their team as well. And here are just some of the common dilemmas. People come and say, I just can't seem to get everyone together and pulling in the right direction. Or I'm getting really frustrated with some team members. You know, Bob's really stubborn. Helen keeps interrupting. Mark tries to dominate everything. Susan, well, she's just got a really fixed mindset. And names are used as examples, of course, here. And apologies to the Bobs, Marks, Susans and Helens of the world. But these are really examples of how things can go wrong when we're working with people. Other challenges that come are our team meetings are really dull and really transactional and we actually never get through everything on our agenda. It's just so busy. There's not the time there or we just can't seem to make decisions. Some people share. Everyone looks to me and then I get the blame. These are just a few of the challenges and there are many more similar and also really different too. But these are some common ones. But the common denominator here, if you'd listen to those, is that it's not the product necessarily. It's people and processes because teams are all about the people, the relationships, the team dynamic. Yes, systems and structures are important. The product is really important. You know, you can't really get stuff done effectively without the systems and structures. 
But the process, the how is equally as important, if not more so, because this is how you get things done with joy, with greater ease and positivity. And for the most part, this doesn't happen by chance. You need to intentionally and actively create the conditions for your team to work well together. And this means turning your attention to the how you work together as well as the what you do. And when I'm working with teams in conflict, the relational things come to the surface. It's because many of these fundamental things are not in place. But don't worry, because we are going to explore some of these today. But before we do, it's probably worth taking a moment just to think about what we mean by a team. Now, one of the helpful or the best definitions I've come across, and it's a simple one, is from Katzenbach and Smith. And they say that a team is a small group of people with complementary skills who are committed to a common purpose, performance goals and approach for which they are mutually accountable. Now, this is a really powerful set of ideas. So I thought we'd take a moment just for some quiet reflection, really, and break this down even further. So for your own team, how true are those different elements within this definition? Remember, there's no right, there's no wrong here. It's, there's no judgment. It's just simply a process of reflection. So let's break that down. If we think about your team, is it the right size? Now, you might not have too much control over this, but how many people are on it? What impact does this have on your communication, on your meetings, on the way that you collaborate and get things done? And remember, if your team is actually greater than eight, this is going to take much greater skill and thought to lead and manage, particularly in terms of meetings and communication. And if you think about the next element, do you have a good blend of skills, experience and expertise on your team? So think about what different people on your team bring. Then if we think about the shared purpose, you know, do you care about the same things on your team? Have you had conversations about this? And if you have, what did they consist of? And then separate from this, same, same, but different as they say, (laughs) has everyone bought into that purpose and the performance goals that you're working towards? Does everyone know what they are? Are you clear on that? And then the final question is, do all members of your team hold each other to account, not just you as the leader? And if this is the case, that's fabulous. But if this is something that's challenging, then it's an area to be reflecting on and thinking of because all members of a team in a high performing team are going to hold each other to account. There's elements of leadership that's distributed across the team for that. Now, if you're able to pause the podcast now and take a few minutes to reflect on your answers. And this is just really to get a baseline on where you are now with your team. Great. Have you done that? (laughs) If so, welcome back. If not, do go back to it later. So now you know, A, the kind of team you want to build. So what that looks like and what that feels like. And you also know where your team is now in terms of performance and also in terms of positivity. So hold all of that in mind as we head into the strategies. Now, today I'm going to focus on two elements that I found that when they're absent, this is when I'm working with teams in conflict, this is where most of the problems can occur. 
nearly always it can be traced back to these two. And they are a clear agreement on the ways of working and trust, a sense of belonging and connection. So first off, I want to say that trust is not created by team away days or team building activities. When I lived in Southeast Asia, I used to go to Bali almost every single year. And one hotel that we loved and we stayed in regularly had a convention center, which had sometimes had really big corporate events. And I lost track of the amount of times that I watched execs build rafts on the grass and then run down to the sea to see if they floated And they really were trying to work together as a team and be crowned as a winning team. And there was lots of fun and laughter. But my question is, how does that help Susie and Bob to work through their disagreement when they fall out again in a team meeting in a couple of weeks time? And how does those, you know, the raft building skills there help a team leader to manage that discussion, that argument through to a successful conclusion? It doesn't. Activities like human bingo or Creating castles out of spaghetti or building a raft like in Bali may be fun and are great team energizers, but they are not enough to create trust and high-performing teams. What you need to do is to collaboratively craft a set of team agreements or team norms, ways of working together, whatever you want to call it. If you get these in place and you hold each other to them, then this is going to make your life much easier as a team leader and the effectiveness of your team so much better. So for the purpose of today's podcast, I'm just going to recommend that you get some agreements in place for three core areas. The first is around your communication. The second is around your meetings, when, how you will have your meetings. And the third is around your decision making. And you want to make sure you have procedural agreements and behavioral agreements as well. What I mean by this is procedural agreement or a procedural norm could be, you know, you're starting and ending on time, that mobile phones are switched on to vibrate or silent, that maybe your computers are only open during appropriate times. Maybe it's about having agendas being finalized and circulated 48 hours before a meeting and all expected preparation will be done in advance, so pre-reading and so on. And a behavioral norm or a behavioural agreement, might include being fully present mentally and physically, being open to possibilities, being unattached to outcomes, or maybe about actively participating or listening to understand rather than reply, or speaking honestly without blame or judgment. So these are slightly different, right? You've got procedural norms or agreements and behavioural norms or agreements. And every team is going to have something that looks different because every team and every context is different. But the core of these needs to include answers to these three questions. What needs to happen for us to be learning and thinking and behaving at our best? And what behaviours and attitudes do we want and expect from ourselves and others? And importantly, what do we commit to do to make this happen? So have you asked your team these kinds of questions before? Because most teams just jump straight into the what to do and they jump into the doing. And that's to be expected, right? Because we are all the time trying to do lots and lots of things with less time. But taking the time to do this first is really going to save you time in the long run if you're thinking about the how. 
So think about running an activity with your team, perhaps where you answer these questions and you come up with a list of ideas and then collaboratively write them down and write them up into agreements together. So if we go back to taking the one about speaking honestly without blame or judgment, what this might mean is you're taking responsibility for what you say. You're going to communicate it carefully in a way that others can hear, that you are mindful of the impact on what you say and the impact that that might have on others. But if we think back to Helen, who I mentioned earlier on, who keeps like interrupting, and I think it was Mark who tries to dominate everything. Imagine how much easier it will be if you have these agreements in place and you've agreed in advance how you're going to handle this when it happens. So much easier because then you're able to take action in the moment because nothing erodes trust more than creating a set of agreements together and then not upholding them. And this might need you to step up a model as a team leader first before others in your team do the same. And even you know, if you think about this, if you're in a team at the moment and your team leader doesn't do this, then you can lead by example too, because if you have the team agreements, you're all responsible. So checking in with your team on these agreements is really helpful. Build them together, but then after a couple of weeks and again a couple of months, ask each other, you know, how do we feel our norms and agreements are working for us? What needs tweaking? What might need adding? So norms and agreements, not exactly, you know, sexy and interesting stuff. We want to jump into the doing stuff, right? But they are so important. So summing up this strategy, getting these kinds of agreements, both procedural and behavioral, in place for your meetings, your communication and your decision making is one of the most important things you can do with your team. A word of warning, though, it might seem a little bit unnatural, or a little bit awkward to do this, especially if you've never been part of a team or led a team through this process. So just be aware of that. And then if we think now about the second element of trust and that sense of belonging and connection. Now, remember, human bingo and trust falls do not develop trust and connection. So you might be asking, well, what does? First off, when we're thinking about teams rather than individuals, it is helpful to think about trust alongside psychological safety. And you'll be pleased to know that the team agreements or norms that you create will not only help how you work together and the process, but how you feel when you're doing it. So these agreements or norms are the first thing I would recommend that help you to build trust and connection. The second is to get to know each other. This is not just about personal details and family and background and hobbies. That's important, yes, but this is about what makes you tick as individuals. Now, working with strengths is a great way to do this. So you might get your team to take a strength assessment like the VIA. And this one is great because it's it's values and character based as well. Or another team profile, you know, example as well, maybe Clifton Strengths. Now, I love doing this work with teams because it shines a light on all that's good about each other and how you can best use this to work together. However, a word of caution, if you haven't listened to episode five, do leadership labels define you, may I invite you to do so because it's quite easy to fall into labeling and misusing these kinds of assessments, both as individuals and also as a team. You could also do an exercise with your team where you're getting to know each other. Um, I love these questions that I'm going to share in a moment because they highlight what matters in supporting those team agreements or norms. And The exercise is called What Motivates and Annoys You, (laughs) and it does what it says on the tin. 
it's difficult to tell what someone's sort of hot buttons are just by working alongside them, you know, what irritates them or how to support them. And it's even more difficult to express them if you don't have a space to do so. So asking and doing this activity beforehand is really useful. So give everyone a sheet of A3, divide the paper into six sections, and then label the six spaces with these sentence starters. I work well when, if you want to motivate me, work is hard when, if you want to support me, if you want to annoy me, and then one last thing I'd love you to know. And then give everyone five minutes to complete these sentence starters and then share them in turn. So this is only going to take 15 to 30 minutes, depending on the size of your team. And it is time well spent because you now have a much clearer idea about your own and each other's drivers and how to get the best from each other and support each other. There is so much that I could share on this topic, and I feel that we've only just scratched the surface. But let's just wrap up, yeah? So we've covered today what makes a team high-performing. What are those ingredients? And we've also looked at some of those common challenges that are faced by teams and team leaders and two different areas to think about when you're building your team that can help you to avoid or better navigate these challenges. So my final question for you is what are you going to take from today to implement in developing your team? So consider where your team is at. You might have just started working together or you may even have been together for years. But what I've covered today should be applicable to you with a few little tweaks depending on where you are on your journey. And I really do hope I've achieved my goal, which was to make it super practical for you. And I hope that you've had the chance to reflect and decide on how you're going to go from idea to action as well. And if you'd like to know more about the work I do with teams and how I could help you and your team work even better together through coaching and facilitation, you can always send me an email at sarah at sarahowling.com. I would love to support you. Now, next week, we're going to dive into how leaders are great learners and how to create a culture of learning in your team. Until then, have a wonderful week and keep on positively leading. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Positively Leading. I hope you found it helpful in your journey to becoming a better leader. And if you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a review on your favourite podcast platform. Your feedback not only helps me grow, but also helps others discover the podcast and join our community of positive leaders. And if you'd like to work with me, you can head over to sarahowling.com to find out how. Thanks once again for listening. And remember, the world needs more brilliant leaders just like you. So keep on positively leading.